Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Welcome to our Valentine's Day special of Boots, Balls, and Bras. I'm here with Farah Williams and Eartha Pond, and I'm Beck Smith, your host. And none of us are wearing pink or red or anything. To I actually, Beck, thought you were going to be in all pink or red because <laughs> you are the only one in a relationship. I <laughs> Me and Eartha are single, so we don't wear any colors on Valentine's. It's just another day for us. It's just green. Galentine's Day, that's what it is. What is it? Galentine's? Yeah, what so that? it's just like girls just hanging out. Ah, yeah. Galentine's. Well, happy Galentine's Day. We've got a lot to chat about today. We've got our first Wait half. there, sorry to interrupt. Yeah, yeah. Bex, Bex actually has supported Valentine's with her pink, pink pen. pen. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you. We knew we'd find Look, something. We did. Look, you did bring your pink. I knew you would. You didn't never let the team down. Never let the team down, guys. That's my motto. Um, yes, yeah, so we do have a lot to chat about today. We are going to be doing a WSL roundup. And actually, we wanted to, to talk about something that came up a few times during the week. Uh, do big name players get away with more? And then our halftime team talk. Uh, we've got a lot of roundups. We have the Champions League draw that just happened. The Conti Cup uh, took place last week. And our second half, we're going to get into the international week. So let's get started. All right. So the first thing that happened was in the Conti Cup game where Arsenal uh, was playing Man City and ended up winning the game 1-0, but where uh, Lauren Hemp was going to get around Leah Williamson, in my opinion, and Leah just sort of leaned into her with her elbow to a face, shoulder to a face. Some said it was a red card. There was a lot of uh, chat on Twitter and with different fans. What do you guys think? Do you, do you think first of all, do you think it was a red card? Do you think it was malicious? Do you, what, what are your thoughts on it? I don't. I don't think it was a red card. I think from what I saw, that there was a change of pace. So in terms of the natural body position, she almost tried to like pull up, and then just her body movement kind of went in that direction, and it was an elbow. I think it was a booking, but I don't think it. I don't think it was a sending off. It, there was no intent. Um, not that I'm VAR, I was breaking down each moment. But <laughs> from what I could see, there was a clear change of, of pace and body positions. And that's mm. what made her sort of arms sort of raise up into that position. But yeah, I think it was definitely a foul, but I wouldn't mm. have given her a red card. I think that would have been mm. harsh. I do think if there was VAR, based off being off the, the course I was on with the referees recently, she would have been given a red card for it. Mm. So good. I think if there was a VAR in the women's game, that would have been deemed a red card. Yeah. But in live play, when the game was there... I didn't think nothing more than maybe a yellow card, a bit of aggression within the, the tackle, and obviously mm. the elbow was high. But yeah, I mean, she didn't get booking. She didn't I even know. take a booking. So I think mm. it was more a case of that. Obviously, you, you saw a Lauren Hemp was holding her mouth, so there was definite contact there. Yeah, yeah. Um, she's not one to go down either. But fake yeah, it, for for sure, and, I, and I'm sure Leah wouldn't want to do that to to one of her for you know a national teammate. Yeah. So I don't think it was, there was any anything in it from Leah. But I'm just saying it, when we talk about VAR and decision making it potentially would have been looked at as a red card. Even with it slowed down. Yeah. Like, in, in you know what, Earth, in live play, I didn't actually think it was. Yeah. But as you say, when you slow things down, yeah. things look worse when they're slowed down. And I think that's half of the problem. Down. When it's slowed down and the elbow is, is high, 
I, just having been on the referee's course, yeah, yeah. now I would understand it to be a red card or a possible red card. Yeah. And, and, As a player, before yeah. I went on to that course, I would have been yeah. like, play advantage but as I say the rule like when you look at how how how, how they would measure the, yeah. the con- it, it, it would have been yeah. oh, I think possible w- red card an interesting one too is because you know we, we had Ella Toon then did get a red card and I was at that game it was Tottenham versus Man United and it was a great second half uh, first half was okay but Man United went up um, Beth England again on the score sheet I mean literally scored it from nothing that was a brilliant goal mm-hmm. from her and then an own goal by Tottenham where Man United then won in the Tottenham men's stadium with a huge fan you know crowd behind them but one of the the things that happened during that game as well was Ella Toon another lioness got red carded. So you had Leah Williamson where she clearly does, you know, make a movement towards mm-hmm. uh, hemp. And I thought it was minimum a yellow card as well. Didn't get anything. And then Ella Toon got a red card. I mean, raises a bigger question for me, right? Do, do you guys think that big name players feel like they can get away with more and not just big name players, but bigger team so u.s women's national team and can i kick off this off because for me mm-hmm. i like actually had a strong quite a strong opinion when i was playing mm-hmm. that i played for new zealand and Wolfsburg. so our club team was you know one arguably one of the best in the world and our national team maybe not not as much and we, we get <laughs> Eartha, get keep, keep, hold your tongue <laughs> the guitar just sprang to mind yeah, go on yeah. anyway but we um i remember playing against the u.s in the london olympics in the quarterfinals and one of my teammates went down in the box and i mean for me it was a clear penalty she basically got smashed by two players from behind and you know our player rosie white just kind of got up and i'm in the back you know screaming my mm-hmm. head off and it just felt like had that happened with the U.S. team, and they they because they clearly influence referees. They're they're in their faces. They're Alex Morgan and Megan Rapino, and you're a referee, right? And you're you know quite new to the game, or you've been in the game a while, but you have no profile. It's they're scary, and I do think that they can influence referees and decisions and fans as well. So yeah, mm-hmm. that's why I just thought it is an interesting topic to chat about. What do you guys think? I definitely think there's a bias for referees. And I, and I did mention this when I was on the course of the referees mm. and it, you know, probably wasn't taken so well. But I, I say that because I obviously played for some of the top teams in England. And then obviously I ended up at Reading, which was in the, you know, deemed one of the lower teams. And decisions that were made, and as a player, you, you know, you used to play against, when, when I was at Arsenal, for example, and you play against, I don't know, I'm going to use Reading as an example, and the players be like, yeah, just get that because of who you are. Mm-hmm. And you'd be like, what are you talking about? And you'd be like, really like, do you know what I mean, defensive in terms of like their their thoughts around that or their opinion of that. But actually, when you are on the flip side, mm-hmm. it feels that way. It does definitely feel like the top teams get more of the decisions than, than the lower teams. And maybe it is that, uh, for me, I looked at it as that, I think the the top teams are more streetwise. And what I mean by that is they're more like, if it goes out for a throw-in, you'll see a whole 11 plus a bench put their arm up to claim that it's a throw-in. Whereas the lower teams just accept it. They're too honest at times. They don't want to claim for that. So so that, if you if you saw 11 shirts or an, and a bench all throwing up for a foul, that is going to give some influence to the referee. Yeah. Whereas if a team is like waiting on the referee to make a decision who is unsure without any influence, they're probably not going to make, you know, a decision that you want. So I, 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 do, I do feel there is a bias towards... Um, Top name players, top clubs. I think it was the same when I played. I think it's the same now. Yeah. Um, I think the more professional they are now, I think it is a little bit different. I do mm-hmm. think it's changing. Certainly, there's a shift in the refereeing. Um, I think more uh, in the early stages that some of the referees, as you say, they were amateur, but probably in awe of some of the the top name players. But it's definitely still there mm-hmm. for sure. It is. Um, 
but I do think it's improved. Yeah, I, I love the way you're all beating around the bush. It is what it is, guys. It, there is a bias. Like, let's not... Like, it, it's they hated to like, hear that, though. Teams, they hated to hear... Because I was, I was saying it on the course. It's, it's true. Like, yeah. we can't, like, be... We can't go around it. I remember playing for Charlton against Arsenal. And we needed... Uh, Arsenal needed to draw. Otherwise, Charlton would have won the league. Mm. We played 12 minutes of extra time. Wow. They were losing three... We were winning 3-2. Karen Hills scored? went for a tackle against Kelly Smith in the box... Didn't touch her. She basically moved, like came out of the tackle. Kelly Smith went over. The ref said penalty for intent because <sighs> you went to tackle her. Oh, no. <laughs> we were like, this what? Was a while ago, though, it was right? a while the ago. Have definitely improved but since then, right? No, this questionable. <laughs> but no, definitely. Just in terms of, like, we, we can't be around the bush. Like, it is, if you've got a certain name on the back of the shirt, like, they do think twice. Like, they, I feel like they've got that extra bit of protection in terms of, like, maybe what they mean for their country or their club or what they're doing mm. for the sport. And I think, I don't know, conscious or unconsciously, it, mm. it, they naturally kind of give favouritism to those players. Mm. And it, I think Ella Toon, I think people are, if it wasn't on camera and it wasn't there wasn't that high profile in regards to TV, would she have been sent off for that mm. tackle? Mm. I don't think she would have. Good, but because there's video of evidence yeah. and we can clearly see the intent, we can see the aggression and the, the letter of the law, it's... A, it's a red card. It's not a red card yeah. for me. Bye. It's not a red card for you? No, I'm not, no I don't think it was. Look, yeah. do you know what's difficult? Uh, th th obviously, there was two tackles. So, Ella Toon tried to tackle her. She mm -hmm. then got tangled in the tackle. And then there was that shove to the floor. Right. I think it was when I've... I don't think... It, I think it was nothing more than a booking for both players, in my opinion, right? But when you look back at it on the, on the clip, right? Because I know that we, we heard Mark Skinner say after that he's going to... Um, Protest it, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's going to put in to see if they can get it rescinded, right? Which I would do that as a manager because I'm like, that's a real soft red card. Mm -hmm. if, the, if, if that's going to be a red card, you're going to have, you're going to have loads of them in the game. Yeah. But if you then look at the, the anger in her face yeah. and you take a... Because there wasn't much in the shove. It was a very soft Farrell. shove. But the aggression in the face shows otherwise, yeah. right? So if, if they do look at that and they look at the intent in the face, they're probably going to say it's a red card. Mm. So uh, don't really, look at me and say, Farrah, anything. It's not a red card. It's not a red card. referee's course. It's, this is the not letter of, every action no, 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 is no. a red card. We're talking Earthfall. about the letter of the law. Yeah. If you raise your hands, that means you have the ability for you're giving the referee an easy decision. It's the letter of the no, law in terms no, it's of not. okay. Not let's, on the shoulder, let's talk about not the, on the letter shoulder, of the not. law. Let's talk about it's it. Not on the shoulder because I did speak to the referees about this and ask their opinion. Because um, for me, from far away on the other stands, it was a clear red because she got up after and went to shove her right. Mm -hmm. But it was really interesting hearing some of them talk because basically the category that it has to fall into is adopting an aggressive attitude or which is a yellow or a violent conduct, a violent conduct. right? So for me, like, first of all, it's not something we want to see in the women's game. So I'm, I'm fine if referees are a bit more harsh. You know, if, mm -hmm. if they're clearly coming back to shove someone, if they give a red and it, it's harsher than it needs to be, I'm great with that because I don't want to see that in the women's game at all. We see it in the men's, but what, what I think there also is, is a higher level of acceptance for men in men's football mm -hmm. of what violent conduct might be. And some might say that wasn't violent conduct, but for me, how often do you see women with that face mm. going towards a player and actually wanting to, you know. I just don't think it was violent so conduct. And I, I think, think the play acting, we also don't want in the game. Play acting, me, shocking. 100% Holding your face agree. when your face was not we touched. We knew it was coming. No matter. We knew the player. Oh, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the player, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, so we can't say we don't want violent contact, but we don't mind play acting. Because for me, you don't want both. No, I but agree. I'm just saying, I don't think that was violent conduct for me. 
Mm-hmm. But what I'm saying is you're giving that of referee that decision to make in terms mm-hmm. of like you're actually like I said whether it's yeah. like the minimum e- end of the spectrum or the maximum like just don't give the referee yeah. that option to make that uh-huh. choice. I mean yeah. you're an you're putting yeah, them in a position. player. You're someone like a role model that girls look up to. We don't want that sort of thing in the game. That's it. It happens. Everyone makes mistakes. I don't mind it. I actually don't mind it. I actually don't mind it. She reminds me of Kelly, Kelly Smith. Like it, You're just showing a bit of passion. Like it means something to you. I don't think there was anything more than, as you say, annoyed at each other for the tackle. You get up, you, you get on with it. There was nothing in it. I love the way you say a bit of passion. I love it. Does I love ev- passion. Does, does everyone get that opportunity everyone. to have a bit of passion? They should do. Why not? I don't, I don't ask you because I don't think every player gets that same How? vulnerability in terms of... Oh, it reminds me of, oh, I love it, a bit of passion. I know Mark actually said he loves that sort of thing. That mm, it has character. Yeah. He said that, the manager. Okay. Like, but you kill character. If you kill character in somebody, if you took Kelly Smith's character out of her play as well, if you took mine, for example, like if you take players' character away from them, like Rooney. How many characters like Rooney, do you know in the game? No, but I'm saying the problem is, is that when it's coached out of you, when you're in a club and in an environment where you're actually not allowed to be who you are, right? That takes away more than half of the player. But that's for what I'm sure. trying to say. How many characters do you know in the women's game? They they, they, they stand out like a sore thumb. So people yeah. again, the highlights. Oh, of sorry. Them in okay, of yeah, game, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, Kelly Smith, Jane. Like, you can clearly mm. name the people who are like, no matter what, that's what they do. So majority of the mm. time, people do not have that character. So what I'm trying to say, where people have the, the ability to be given, oh, that's the passion. That's because actually, why doesn't everyone do that? Why isn't everyone showing? who they are and how they play. It's the ones who sort of stand up. They're then given that extra sort of leeway. They say, oh no, that's because mm. that's what they do. Actually, do you know what I mean? It's again, we're saying in terms of females coming through the game, like mm. who are you? Is it being coached out of you by the manager, by the club? Like, And because the ones who do keep it, they stand out and then refs think, oh no, that's just yeah. a, bit, a bit about them. And that, you know that's I mean? just it, isn't it? That's the whole point of the yeah. discussion is like, is it okay just because they're a big name or because, and actually I, I, it's, the opposite that she did give Ella Toon a red card where some think it might be soft. So I actually was quite proud of the referee that she had absolutely no qualms in mm-hmm. pulling out the red card and just saying, we don't want it. We don't need it. Totally agree with the play acting um, as well. Back to the character thing though. I, I agree with you. I think you have to have character, but I do think there has to be a line of you have to, you know, you have to play within the rules of the game and the laws of the game and and there's a respect element to it. And I just find that in the women's game, we have that now. And there's a really small window of being able to protect that where it's either gonna go towards the men's and that's gonna be fine and that's not violent conduct, or we can now just crack down and say, it doesn't matter what it was. We don't want it and it's, it's a going. red card. Like, it's, let's it's, not... The intent is there. Bex is going across there. Like we know the more money comes into the game, the more eyes I disagree. on the game. You, re- you reckon it's going to stay? I, I think that we, we because we have more pride in our game, we have more mm-hmm. players that are involved no, no, who no. take a stance. Look at the Canadian team, which we're going to talk about later. Look at the US Women's National Team. Look at all these players that are taking stances about what they think is right or wrong in the Wait game. Wait until so, those players go. Go the away. Megan Rapine, the, the, the Alex Morgans, and then the, the new generation of players come over. They won't have that same care and passion it. to it's keep the game how it is. So they're going out of the game. Yeah. The Christine Sinclairs, these people that are there, that were there, like they're slowly going yeah. and whatever. And they're trying to leave the game in the place that they, you know, they're in a better place than when they came into it. Mm-hmm. But once they're gone, these same things won't be happening as regularly. In my opinion, I don't s- think you're going to see a massive shift in you're the women's game. You're going to see no game. more Sainsbury's boots bags. Everyone's going to have LVs. No, I just I, look, look the gate. The, it, it is what it is, isn't it? Yeah, it's changing. No, 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 it doesn't have to. But, but we've allowed it, it to. We've already allowed it to change. It's already changing. It's already changed from when I played. Yeah. 
So it's changing for sure. It's changing in like in great ways in the sense that Not the tactics good. are better, the technical is better, you know, we can run faster, we're more agile, you know, the are change we? of pace. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. We we see we've seen that in um mm. the World Cup reports that they've had. So yes, it, mm -hmm. it technically actually is getting better as a game, but I still think that we, you know, and that's why we have part of the reason why we have these types of podcasts, right? Mm. And these are why we have these discussions because we do want to protect the game and we do want to help educate fans and and players and managers and referees in that we I think we can be custodians of the sport and maintain the vibe that mm. it still has. I really genuinely don't think it will or can or should go towards where with the with money it's going to change that's for sure. When money's invested change. the way it is, it it's not going to stay the way the, the, the way that we want it mm -hmm. to still be. It won't be like that. And the issue, issue with that is I don't think players know how important they are in terms of mm. the role that they play and how they can dictate how things kind mm. of move forward and the decision making in it. Yes, there's obviously governing bodies who regulate stuff, but the players' power, mm. and especially for like women footballers who, for them, being professional is, is quite new. So they're most probably just really happy to be able to have this as a career and to do what they need to do going forward and be a superstar or be famous. But their power is so important. So mm. if they don't want it to go that way, they have to unite and believe that they've got a voice where they can actually make change because yeah, that bit is, is super important. But mm. who's gonna lead it? That's mm. that's the question. And more on that when we when we chat about the second half and the international week for mm -hmm. sure, because mm -hmm. it's really relevant right now. But um just wrapping up the WSL roundup, Brighton lost two to six mm -hmm. to Aston Villa, and we saw Jordan Nobbs uh, get a hat trick and obviously our bestie Rachel Daly scored again and Liverpool lost to Leicester City which uh, means that they are still in last place but they have six points just below Reading with seven which is um, keeps them in the game mm. keeps them in the game okay. um, all right well I think that wraps up pretty much our uh, roundup of the WSL let's head into our halftime team talk All right, so our, this halftime team talk, uh, we had a couple interesting things happen. The Conti Cup uh, semifinals where Arsenal beat Man City, which is what we were referencing just recently with Leah Williamson's maybe yellow, maybe red card, maybe nothing, which was what actually happened. Um, and then West Ham got smashed by Chelsea, like 0-7. And that's in the semifinals. Mm. I mean, I think we should talk about that for two seconds because I was, I turned it on and I don't know, 15 minutes into the game, I turned it back off. Mm. It's not good football. No, it wasn't. Uh, uh, you know, West Ham just didn't turn up. How do you go from, I mean, I'm glad we didn't put Mackenzie Arnold in our team of the week <laughs> the week before because it was like everything on goal. And it was, look, this is not to blame her, but it's like everything that was shot on goal went in the back of the net. Mm. So complete opposite from three days earlier where they put a magnificent performance in against Arsenal we to then be absolutely. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. And this is Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. We are a new show breaking down the anime news, views, and shows you care about each and every week. I can't think of a better studio to no. bring something like this to life. And yeah, I agree. We're covering all the classics. If I don't know a lot about Godzilla, which I do, but I'm trying to pretend <laughs> that I don't right Hold now. it in, hold on. And our current faves. And Luffy must have his due. <laughs> Tune in every week for the latest anime updates and possibly a few debates. Oof. I remember, what was that? <laughs> say what you're going to say and I'll circle back. You can listen to Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect every Friday wherever you get your podcasts. And watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or the Crunchyroll YouTube channel.
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Wiped away by yeah. Chelsea. Like Chelsea were phenomenal, by the way. Mm. Like yeah. if you actually watched it, you could go West Ham were poor, which they were. Mm-hmm. But Chelsea were just on it. They were on fire. fire. Like they were so good. Like that first, that opening 20 minutes, the intent they played with. It's probably the best they've played of all season. Mm. But a semi-final, 7-0. It could have been more. Yeah, could have mm. been more. Could have been more. Well, and West Ham didn't look like they were ever going to get a goal from the game or even back into the game or, or reduce to. the scoreline. But yeah. Do you, reckon, do you reckon playing a midweek game has anything to do with that in terms of like, obviously Chelsea play Champions League, they mm. used to play in like evening games, they've got that experience in terms of West Ham. Mm. It's a, it's definitely most probably a new thing unless it's a rearranged fixture or I'd say a Quantic Cup game, but that amount of pressure, usually you'll have like after a weekend, another weekend to build up yeah. for it and kind of get your set plays and get ready to play a big team. Whereas actually so. they played on the weekend and then it's back to now a big a knockout game. I think psychologically, I'm not too sure if they've had that experience or psychologically, well but I think it's also just the the depth of the squads. Mm-hmm. And this is what mm-hmm. you, where you see that this is the difference for me between the top four and a West Ham. They just don't have that squad rotation. And those Chelsea players that are playing, this is where they get their opportunity. So they have mm-hmm. amazing players mm-hmm. that are sitting on the bench that don't get the opportunity to play in the league. Mm-hmm. And this is their opportunity to shine. So they have to go guns blazing, mm-hmm. which which they did. That was it. They changed like what? So I think they changed what, three of the back four that they, they normally have. And then obviously Frank Kirby coming in. So they made an Akipa, so five. They made about five mm-hmm. or six changes, Chelsea. So they've gone from beating Tottenham at the weekend. There you go. Um, to then being able to change pretty much half their team. Whereas West Ham didn't change any of their players I don't think going yeah. into that game so they've gone in with a team that has probably had to work extra hard for 90 minutes against an Arsenal team that were trying to pepper them so mentally that is draining anyway when you're playing without the ball for long periods which is what they did and then they're trying to go again three days later against another top team so yeah, yeah you're right the, I don't think it's a case of them not being able to play midweek if they were playing a lesser calibre team yeah. they might have had a, a better chance of winning but you, you go back to back with you know number one and two in the country within the matter of three days, yep. you're going to take a pepper off one of them. Yep. Yeah. And good that Arsenal did pick up that um, win against Man City because they then lost to them in the in the league 2-1. Uh, sorry, lo- yeah, lost to Man City 2-1 at Man City, uh, which meant that they then dropped into fourth place. We didn't mention that in the first part. But now we've got a Chelsea-Arsenal-Conti Cup final on the 5th of March. Are you going to be covering that? Mm-hmm. BBC, be there or be square on <laughs> Selhurst Park. Sold 10,000 tickets already. So yeah, should be a good final. Hopefully there'll be more sold. Good um, London derby yeah, there. Nice. Good London derby. Yeah. And my particular favourite moment of the week was the Champions League draw mm-hmm. because these teams that are left are just all good. Mm-hmm. I mean, AS Roma might have been the only semi-surprise in there. You know, we didn't have uh, Juventus in there this time. Um, AS Roma is also leading the league in Italy with 45 points. Juve's at second with 37. So they deserve to be there. Um, and they got drawn with Barcelona. My team, <laughs> Barcelona. Yeah. Are... Tasty draws, though. Tasty. I, know, really I mean, good. I'm already, I'm already seeing Bayern beating Arsenal in that, in that, in the first game. You're calling both, it both, as in going out. So yeah. I, I think Bayern will progress. Right. I think Barcelona will progress. I think Chelsea will progress, and I think Wolfsburg will pro- progress. 
into the semi-final. So, so that was my predictions. But right. the tasty Bayern against uh, the Stanway coming back. Mm-hmm. Against Arsenal, yeah, right. Against Arsenal, so yeah. as in back to face the WSL yeah, team, yeah, so yeah. pretty cool. We've seen Leon already. They, they took a battering Chelsea. in the opening game, didn't yeah. they, against Arsenal? So can Chelsea match that? Mm. Um, and Paris, PSG versus Wolfsburg was the last mm. one. Yeah. We haven't really spoken a lot about the French league. Um, you know, and PSG is sitting in second place, only one point behind Lyon. Mm. Uh, so they're, you know, very top quality team. Wolfsburg, you and I picked them to win mm-hmm. the Champions League. Uh, you know, I think a lot of people will think that that game is going to be easy. But actually, I think the PSG Wolfsburg matchup will probably be the most even. Just yeah, given. I think that's going to be the toughest mm-hmm. one out yeah. of the group. I think that 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 is a tasty fixture for sure. If you if you know, if all four teams are playing on that day, that's the fixture I'd, I'd choose to watch. Yeah. Because I think it'll be the most competitive. But but actually, you do want to go to Bayern to watch the Arsenal game. Is we, that what you guys said? That'd be nice. We do. I got some we messages do. on that. Yeah, my <laughs> passport's just been renewed. So <laughs> we are ready to yeah. go. Bayern, we are ready. Hospitality, to, please. Thank hospitality, you. please. <laughs> Yeah. And a blanket. <laughs> and a blanket. <laughs> and some hot cocoa. So those those games, Bayern versus Arsenal and Roma against Barcelona are on Tuesday, March 21st. And then we've got the next day, Lyon, Chelsea and PSG versus Wolfsburg on the 22nd of March. So that means we can technically go to Bayern for the first day and then um, sit and watch Chelsea play Lyon and Paris uh, lose to Wolfsburg uh, on the next day. And then I think we should go to Wolfsburg on the second round. Can I use my Oyster card on all these trips? Because it's <laughs> <laughs> an expe- expensive trip. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, that'll be good. Um, very, very good matchups. And just, just looking internationally as well, Barca is sitting at the top of their table with 57 points and Real Madrid is only five points behind them with 52. Um, like I already said, Lyon's leading. Uh, Wolfsburg is ahead uh, with 36 points and Bayern Munich's fallen behind mm. they're at 28 so that that's a big spread that's eight points um in that league and i think that was surprising because Bayern munich was really gunning for the the title this season so yeah both of them are really strong teams but Bayern munich's just slipped off a bit they have a new coach this season and um some really good players and i know they've made some really good signings for next year that we're not allowed to talk about publicly yet but um yeah, we'll maybe see. Are you sporting director for Bayern? <laughs> 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 you sporting director? Yeah. No. So does that mean that if one team gets Germany. if one team gets knocked out, do you reckon they then kick on in terms of focusing on the league, or and could that have a difference? Or yeah, no? yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, if Bayern gets knocked out, you know, they they the gap's too big. Eight, eight points. Oh, eight points yeah, is too a big. For Wolfsburg, aren't dropping eight points. They're going to need to lose three games if that don't happen. Mm. It, it looks to me almost like, yeah. So if I were Byron, I would focus on Champions League. I would put all my eggs in that basket. And also, you sound like you're on Love Island. <laughs> what? I know it's Valentine's, but all your eggs into the basket. It's Easter, man. Uh, <laughs> no, about? that's what they talk about. You oh, don't yeah? watch it? Love no, Island? No, no, oh, no. You need to get into it. I have, but no. Do, 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 do. <laughs> now you have to explain what, what, what is the eggs in the basket. When you put all your eggs into one person. Oh. Yeah, so you've just... Well, then spreading the love. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, I see. What would you guys do? Are you love spreaders or are you nah. focus? I'm Scrambled eggs everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> it's the egg hunt. <laughs> She's not joking either. <laughs> and you're an all eggs in one yeah. basket kind of guy, That's exactly you? what I am. All right, there's your Valentine's insight. She's got, into... she's got a big ostrich egg, so it's... <laughs> One space. Oh, full of chocolate in, oh. on the inside six yolks <laughs> fabulous okay I think I think with that we can end our halftime team talk mm-hmm. 
Um, and let's get into the second half because this uh, is really quite fascinating what's been going on. And it's obviously the international week, so everyone's broken up with their clubs and they're all in their national teams. And we've got everything from She Believes Cup, the Cyprus Cup. Uh, there's a, t a tournament in France as well. And, and obviously our personal favorites, the Arnold Clark Cup, which kicks off this week on Thursday, where the Lionesses play Korea Republic in Milton Keynes. Uh, you're going to be at some of those games too, aren't you, Farah? Mm -hmm. And are uh, you coming off, no? I'm yeah, we're going to be there. Oh, trying to get to the FA first part. Yeah. FA capacity. I will be. Are you yeah. going to go to all the games or how many games? I hope so. Yeah. I'll be going to a few of them. Wicked. Just checking out that you guys are doing what you're meant to be doing, keeping a BDI. Yeah. Uh -huh. Making sure you're working. And, and I'll be checking and making fun. sure you're doing what you're meant to be doing on your board, yeah? <laughs> I'll be checking and not sipping champagne and eating food nah. as to what we always see them doing. Nah, that's not me. Right. Well, I'll be running around in the tunnels doing the match ops for those. But um, really interesting because uh, Serena uh, Wiegmann had said early on that she thought it would be really difficult for Nobbs, Jordan Nobbs, Beth England and Lucy Stanforth, who we had on the mm -hmm. pod last week, who said she was gunning for a Lioness's spot. Mm -hmm. she, uh, Serena said it would be really difficult for them to force themselves back into the squad. And then we saw Frank Kirby get injured and Nobsy's in there and you guys I mean we were all quite happy about that one weren't we I guess it's really important like that you let your football do the talking no matter how much like you want to do everyone has these aspirations but when your performances shows then you can't be ignored and I think that's another great thing in terms of women's football because there's loads of coverage people can't deny that things are happening so she comes and scores a hat trick Way. and she's do you know I mean doing all the right things and yeah you just got to have that mm. opportunity so yeah, really happy for her. And yeah, hopefully England give her the right size shorts because Villa's been letting her down quite <laughs> recently. <laughs> this is true. This is true. <laughs> what do you think, Bess? Yeah, no, it's an interesting one. They were interesting comments because it's pretty much similar comments to a year ago in the Arnold Clark Cup when the Lionesses won it. And she, she did a, a similar statement that this is pretty, they asked her about the squad. Can anybody break into the squad? And she pretty much was like, I'm pretty much there or thereabouts with the squad I have. So she's pretty consistent with that. Um, of course, never say never in terms of, as you say, that if you're performing, you can't be ignored. Mm. Um, it's it's an interesting one because Frank Kirby, it's like, you know, she hasn't played that much for Chelsea this year because of injuries. She comes back into the game, actually started really well against West Ham and then picked up her. I don't know what the injury was. It looked, I don't know what it looked like. I don't know if it's a knee. I don't, I don't know, hamstring. It was, there was no one near her when, when it happened. So it was, it was an interesting one. She, she definitely couldn't come back on. But it means then her missing three international, you know, games and there's not many more before now the World Cup. We all know what Frank Kirby can do for England. So she has that advantage that Serena knows, you know, how key she is to the team. And obviously, I think with Jill Scott now not being there, somebody like Jordan and her experience over mm -hmm. the international scene. The only thing is, Jordan has not been to a major tournament. Mm -hmm. She went in 2015, but she was injured yeah. in the World Cup 2015. So actually, Jordan's missed pretty much most of the tournaments she went in in 2013. Mm -hmm to the Euros, but she was only a young player. The 2015, she was injured. She got injured in, a, in a, I think she, did she play the 17, 2017? I can't remember, but she hasn't been to a, a major tournament. So she will be desperate to go to this tournament mm. and play a part. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm happy for her in terms of, you know, she's gone to Villa and that must've been difficult leaving Arsenal. Yeah. She's been there forever. Yeah. You know, she's and an like Arsenal legend. So, yeah, so, well. but it'll be difficult now. I think, you know, as I say, Frank Kirby, you know, touch wood, it's not a, a bad injury. Um, I think it will be difficult for them to break into the team because Serena's pretty stubborn in, you know, in her ways in terms of what she likes, and you have to play a certain way in order to fit her style. And if you don't play that way, you don't fit. Mm. We've seen that with some of the players that aren't in the squad now. Mm. 
Um, so yeah, I mean, What's she's got a chance. Way? What do you mean when you say a certain way? Well, we've seen, we've even seen with Chloe Kelly. If you, if I, if I look at somebody like Nikita now and, and Chloe Kelly, I'm looking at Chloe Kelly because she used to be a dribbler. She yeah. used to be somebody that would take a lot of touches. You know, she likes the tricks. She was a tricky player, uh, an exciting one. You know, you don't know if she's gonna roast you with a skill and, and yeah. or she's gonna get caught in possession. So we've seen the delivery she puts in now. You saw Lauren Hemp's goal against Arsenal. It was a great early delivery around the back line from nothing. I mean, normally, as I say, I would imagine her to take the defender on. But actually, the defender was beyond her. She was able to just wrap it round. So those early deliveries and, you know, as I say, I coach with the 23. So there's three types of crosses that they like from wide players. And uh, and I think the likes of somebody like Kelly or or, or Hemp are the players that can do that. Nikita's more of a dribbler, so she doesn't quite fit what is needed or required from a wide player in order to suit wide player from the opposite side coming in, centre forward, runners joining the box. So mm. I think there's specific spe- specific ways in which she likes individual players to play. Mm. Um, her two tens, how she likes them a little bit wider. Now, I remember playing against the du- Dutch team, so difficult to play against. Yeah. You get pulled into fullback yeah. areas as a centre mid and leave gaping holes the through the middle line. to play into your nine. So mm. I think you have to be a certain player to fit into her way. But also in her press conference, she said she wants to try new things in this tournament because teams are starting to work them out. Yeah, so it'd be yeah. interesting what, what she does. She because she has, just what her outfit is on the sideline. <laughs> maybe. She always looks good, doesn't she? So I don't I don't know because she did say she was going to try a new style. She ain't got But I'm not sure she wants, I'm not sure she will. Mm. She has to because obviously teams... But she's always done that. She's done it with the, with the, with the, with the Netherlands for mm, both I, tournaments. I know, but I guess maybe when you do the first one, people might think, oh, you're going to change it. But she did it the same and way with England. Exactly. Her. So you do it again. So again, I guess in terms of their armour, they'll be prepared for if you do do that. But she's got to have something else mm. in terms of... Yeah, like, no, I know why. I definitely agree. Yes, they can do that and they can do it really, really well. So if they impact teams that way, great. But they have to have something else to be able to, to mm. shake it up. Mm. Just on that, I just think that in terms of the, the, the time frame between now and the World Cup to change, to adapt and add, I don't think there's enough time to do that and be clear on it. Because we've seen Arsenal trying to go with this back five. It doesn't work. Yeah. It just doesn't work. It needs to be coached. You haven't got the time. They haven't got the contact time in order to change massive details within their style of play, in my opinion. Yeah, they, 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 I, I think they would have been doing other stuff. You think, yeah. They would have been Look at doing, her, look at her. She thinks inside info. Other than I've heard this they, on the they, board. They normally do. <laughs> normally do, so yeah. Uh-huh. Like even like at the when they had the Euros, they had three hundred and eight days, and literally every one of those days yeah. were counted, like yeah, planned to yeah. down to the last minute minute. So when the tournament started, everyone was they were on mm-hmm. it, on they it. Knew. They, they knew know how, coming. and literally they, they would have been counting down the days from since after the Euros, yeah. and they're they're mm-hmm. on it. No. Yeah. Stone left on top. Well, it's funny because we did, um, for the Arnold Clark Cup, I did a, hosted a chat with all the coaches. Mm-hmm. And that was one of the questions I asked her. I said, you know, after winning the Women's Euros twice, it, does that mean that there's just an additional layer of pressure for you coming into this World Cup? Because England is not slated to win the World Cup. Like, mm-hmm. no, no offense, but like on a global stage. And yet she clearly wants to. And I think in this country, you, you tell me, because you work with the FA, so you'd know, but... Is it almost a disappointment if they don't get to the at least semifinals final win it? Really, I think that's the expectation. Mm. Although I don't know if that's a fair expectation. And she she said, you know, she was very PC in her answer. Obviously, because she's not going to say, "Hell yeah, I sit at home, I can't even sleep yeah. in the evenings, <laughs> like because I just don't want to win it." And I don't think I can. You know, she'd never say something like that. But she did say, you know. 
that yeah there, there's expectations now that are on this team yeah 100 percent. i think in terms of the expectations the aspirations of the country was always to sort of medal um we've done that in the euros so we're ready to i guess kick on and use that as a, i guess a, a foundation for what we want to do next but i think where we look at what Serena's doing, it's not just about this World Cup. We've got, obviously, we've got the Olympics, we've got the next Euros coming up, and it's about actually the foundations in terms of players coming through um, and not just this squad. So it's more about the war and not the fight. So, yeah, there, there's loads of plans. But again, we are expecting, you have to expect to go out there and, and win. Um, anything less than that is, I guess, you, you're already setting up to fail. So... You want to win the World Cup. That's the next big challenge. How do you do that? Who are we up against? And all the planning would have gone in place for us to be able to execute that. It's about how does it come together on the day. So so hard, too, for managers to say, yes, I will look at the development of players and those coming in when they know that their job is also on the line if mm -hmm. they lose. So they're giving that balance of giving the younger players that mm -hmm. opportunity and also just winning games. But I don't think they're mutually exclusive, obviously, mm -hmm. but it's really great to have the backing of the FA to be able to... They've, they've uh, professionalised more their 23s now. About yeah. So yeah. so I obviously was on the placement coaching with a 23s. Like, no, I took a break. Go My on. health is more important right yes. now to try and, and flip everything in between. Yeah. Um, but it was interesting because, and the reason why I did take the break because they were going more perfect down the professional right. route. So mm -hmm. whereas before, every time there was in a national camp, they'd go away in that camp, but it would just be like, I don't know, say a 10 day camp, mm -hmm. you play the same team twice. Now they're pretty much mirror imaging what the senior would do. So if they played one game in the UK, they would travel the next day and go and play abroad. So they get used to the traveling and having to rest, recover and go again, mm -hmm. which they don't get that exposure. And that's why the gap between 23 and senior, they're trying to bridge it in terms of that. Um, so that for me is a lot better, the, the calibre of the 23s now that are, that are playing in terms of the international teams that they have a, a, around the world that they are competing against are better. Mm. So they would play against the same teams, which obviously isn't good. You get used to playing against that yeah. team. And All now, yeah, and so so that's a, lo a lot better. But there's still a gap. There's still, a, you know, a gap between some of these 23 players that are not ready for senior football. Mm. That's my opinion of it, having been there. Some are getting closer. Some are promised regular playing time in WSL. And if they're not getting that, mm -hmm. then the bridge becomes even further mm -hmm. apart between 23s football and uh, senior international. We've yeah. seen, um, is it, what's, is it, is it Blinkeld Brown? Is that her name yeah, at Villa? Yeah. Villa? She's a centre mid, unbelievable player. Mm. And one that I was looking forward to this year, she's now broken to the 23s. The problem is now they've got Kenza Dali, they've got Jordan Nobbs <laughs> and Lucy Staniforth. <laughs> Carla is somebody that rates her really highly mm -hmm. and I would expect her to find a way, but we've seen she was out of the team at the weekend. Mm -hmm. So already you're starting to see now, okay, so to sacrifice success over development of yeah. youth, the younger player will sit mm -hmm. on the bench, we bring the more senior players yeah. in because they want instant results. So yeah. just just to add to that, just quickly, I think it's not just about what we're doing here. Uh, we're always looking at what is the good practice that's happening like across the world. Like what are others doing? Because we don't want to... We I better not look at Canada then. Get caught short in, in, in terms of um, their youth development. And like you said, that replication of what's happening for both youth team and seniors. Mm -hmm. So if they do need to step up, it's not something that's new. We've been, you've been doing this. Yeah. Like you, yeah. It's about giving that confidence and that's how you have that player management piece in terms mm -hmm. of like, I think you're good enough, you're selected. Like go out and show what you can do, whether that's the, the bases or the, the ones that are coming through. Like it's really, really exciting. Yeah. So. 
That's great. That's really good. It's nice to hear the like behind the scenes too. What actually is happening? How the FA is supporting and what, how you guys are thinking, both from you know a coach that's mm. coached there. And the also- FA will always do that, Bex. I mean, I remember mm. when we were players. They will. They are always looking for the next crop of players. So they're always looking to develop. Like every time we used to go to tournaments, they want that budget to be spent on development, youth development. Mm-hmm. But now the game's changed and they're, they're more professional. So it's the top end players now that want the money as opposed to the, the yeah. foundations of the the development of players. So mm-hmm. there's been a shift in that. I know when we were players, I said every bit of money would be invested down there. And I'm, it's being spent more at the top now. So uh, on that, because you yeah. did mention Canada mm-hmm. and where money is being spent, um, if you guys haven't heard, the Canadian women's national team decided to strike because they had found out that the budgets between the men's and the women's teams were so vast it, last year, um, which is an interesting point because obviously the men were at the World Cup. Um, but then also that it's come out that they haven't been paid for last year's work. And so they decided that they wanted to strike. And then not only two days later, they've been now forced, quote unquote, forced back to work uh, because their strike would be unlawful, according to the Canadian FA. Um, and they, you know, for me, I think lots of things come up when this happens. you know, in my head. It's like, first of all, how, how can you run a budget and not be paying your players and especially in the climate and environment that we're in where mm-hmm. female players are not going to be silent to your point Eartha about players power and importance but secondly how, how does this go so wrong when you, you you don't have a budget for the team and you're telling them six months out of the World Cup sorry we're just gonna have to cut back on all these games so they're going into the game on Thursday against U.S. women's national team um, because they feel, well, they, they have to, otherwise there's legal action and they'd have to pay a, apparently millions to the Federation, uh, if they were to, to, uh, strike thoughts on this. Cause it's a very interesting topic. I mean, yeah, it's interesting for one. I think that the whole not being paid is it, it's not okay. That it shouldn't be accepted, but it's, it's interesting because we've seen the success of the lionesses, right? They started to make progress back in 2015, 2013. When they got knocked out of the Euros, they really wanted us to kick on. And they went to the World Cup. You get, you get the bronze medal. They then go the following year to the Euros, the semi-final. And they really... And, and they only won the Euros because of the investment that was put in from the FA mm-hmm. and clubs. So that investment obviously helped the development of players. It gives them more time, contact time with the ball. And they progressed and got better. And then they win the Euros. Now, Canada with, you know, not a great budget of Olympic champions. Yeah. Olympic champions going to a World Cup, a year of not being paid. You'd think that a team that weren't expected to go to the Olympics and win, so have done that, you'd want them to kick on a, as a national team and you'd want their, their FA to get behind them and really support them and to see what can they, you know, how can they improve that? How can we now go as Olympic champions and really progress into the into the uh, World Cup and see how far they can go in that? So it's interesting that there hasn't been an added support since becoming Olympic champions. You you just imagine that's a natural progression to do that mm. investment in the team that are showing that 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 there's potential there, um yeah so it's a it's an interesting one I mean it's a horrible one for the players because players don't want to strike yeah. players want to represent their country you know you know it's the, mm. the the best and the biggest thing to do as a any sports person to to wear you know your national your national shirt and go out there and represent so for them it will be difficult. But also, it's also difficult to be unpaid for a whole year yeah. in a crisis that we're in. So there's, yeah, I don't, uh, I, I don't know. I think it's interesting you say, like, they go to the Olympics not expecting to win. So when you look at the national governing body or Canada soccer, whatever it is, 
have they planned financially mm. to have even have that budget available to pay? So sometimes mm. it's not even they don't want to pay. Actually, financially, there isn't that payroll to be able mm. to do it. But that's where I guess you've got to come in with other investments, get other like people involved that are able to sort of bridge that gap and bring the game where you want it to. Look at the success with the men in the World Cup. And I guess from an outsider, how important is football or soccer to Canada it's, it's yeah. not even like one of their main sports so for them but we it's can't like... keep comparing it to earth I, I don't like that comparison oh the men get this X amount no, no, of money no, no, investment I'm to the... no money. I'm just I'm saying, saying no I'm like saying but on there we said it right they are. I'm saying in terms of like no one looks at Canada as a footballing right. country oh no so what I'm trying to say is in terms of like ice hockey football yeah <laughs> football in Canada is not even really important well they mm. did they did host the 2015 women's that's World what I'm Cup. saying so it's a progression you would yeah. think that they would yeah. want to and kick on that from that it because that was what they were hoping to change that perception because you're right that's no, where they that's right where they trialed right. VAR and then all the other like where they, where they was using artificial pitches mm. and all all yes, that sort of exactly. like that, that tells you that they're not even serious about life. Mm. What are you doing using that pitch? Like, <laughs> tell me about it. Like, like, I saw that. I was like, okay, you're just trying to again, tell my effort. Like, try in. having worked there when that was coming. Try out, having played there, and the ball bounces over. But this is my whole, this is my whole <laughs> no, point. No, there's no difference between uh, the natural. There is when you do a slide and you get burns. Like, that would never happen in a country where football is serious. Like what? How can you be playing on Astro? That doesn't make any sense. Uh, and that's what I'm trying to say in terms of like, how seriously do they take that sport? How much investment have they really looked in in terms of developing the game? Yes, obviously now there's such a boom around it. They know there's opportunity in terms of making money and, yeah. money and uh, capital, but it's not really significant to them. So they're doing what they can. I guess they're putting, they're putting more pressure because globally football is just massive. So it will always have a voice, but... To them, it's not really. It's not, as a. I don't. I don't think it's. It's taken that seriously. Even but if it, think, but my point is that even if it's not taken seriously, the players will will always get paid. So they were always getting paid yeah. in twenty fifteen. So they were mm. to just not be paid. Did you say a year back or six months? What did yeah, you just say? I mean, I have so to just to not be paid. I'm just saying I don't understand that. Whether you want to help them progress, develop, and reinvest mm -hmm. more or less, that's besides the point. They're contracted players to the national team. They should be paid to play. Mm. That's all I'm saying. So that yeah. that is there's no argument to that. I mean, the the other thing that's but, really you know, Christine Sinclair is arguably one of the best players of all time. I mean, you guys would argue that because of Kelly um, Smith here, but you know, stats don't lie. No, she's good. Stats don't lie. You top goal scorer in, in world football, isn't it? What, yeah, what's her goal? Crazy. Yeah. yeah. And and having played against her, she's horrendous to play against. Even for me, worse than Kelly Smith. But you know, some of the the statements that she's been putting out about the treatment from the uh, Federation. And a lot of those people that were running the Federation during the World Cup when we were organizing have now moved on to the organizing of the Men's World Cup, which is obviously gonna be hosted by uh, US, Canada and, and Mexico. So yeah, you wonder if some there's been a shift there. And But just the fact that you have one of the world's top players, you know, writing humongous statements about the treatment. And then, you know, two days later saying another statement about, you know, that we continue to believe that Canada soccer's cuts to the national team programs, especially right before our World Cup, are unacceptable. And we continue to believe that Canada soccer needs to do more to support our programs and our players. And unless we stand up together and demand more, nothing will ever change. That's my point, though, together. We're having individual players coming out and giving a statement. Well, the Canadian national team. No, did. we all need to be there. We're all not playing. We, that's what I'm trying to say. Mm. Like, there's no sport without the whole team. There's no sport without the whole team of referees yeah. and officials. When you when you have one person as the forefront, this is where they pick you off. Yeah. 
Yeah. Like they and they think obviously it's a big net. Like it's got to be everybody. But do you know what was good? The men's national team as well has supported them this whole time. And John Herdman used to coach mm-hmm. our New Zealand women's national team, and he was the one that sort of changed everything. He's now gone to then he went to the women's, and now he's with the men. So that mm-hmm. men's national team is quite supportive. And then we saw Alex Morgan tweet as well. What do they have to do? Win a gold medal? Sell out stadiums? Oh wait, it's 2023. Wake up, Canada soccer. You're in, you're on the clock. So mm-hmm. you're right. It is if if not everybody's in that movement, it does make it harder. Um, an interesting one. We we want to hear what you guys think about it. Um, you guys listening. So definitely let us know your thoughts on the Canadian women's national team. And also we've seen a few things come out about a potential sponsorship with FIFA on Visit Saudi, which has led to an extreme uproar of fans saying that that doesn't match the vibe of the women's game, et cetera, et cetera. But we don't really have a ton of time to talk about that this week. So we do want to hear your thoughts. If you've read about it, know about it, what do you guys think of a potential Visit Saudi sponsorship of the Women's World Cup? The thing is, they have a sponsor. Mm-hmm. So whether players like on the, they'll do the, they'll do the work. They'll go, maybe, maybe Alex Morgan won't go to the Saudi before the tournament, but there will be players that are playing in a tournament that will go and visit Saudi. So it will happen, regardless mm-hmm. what Alex Morgan's views, opinions, or whether the women's games views, fans' opinions are, it will happen. They are the major sponsors at the tournament, one of. Mm-hmm. So it's the same with the Qatar stuff or the talk before. Let's just focus on the football. I mean, I don't really have too much of an opinion on it because I just think, you know, opinions don't really matter because it doesn't stop people from doing what is expected to be done of them. Mm-hmm. And I just think it will go ahead regardless of the comments from Alex Morgan. Mm-hmm. People in glass houses shouldn't throw stones, <laughs> and, I'll li- and I'll leave it there. <laughs> well, I, I have a like a fairly strong opinion about the fact that I think that even though the women's game does need investment, it still needs the right type of investment. And you know, for everything that Saudi Arabia is doing in terms of starting a new league for the women, and you know, apparently supporting, there's still a lot going on in that country that is um, pretty horrendous for a lot of women. So, yeah, I mean. Should they be doing it? I think no, because I don't think that the women's game needs that type of uh, partner. And I think that they have really nice partners that align with the brand values of the women's game right now. But um, like I said, let's hear you guys' thoughts. Maybe we'll chat about it next week if, if we get some, some On really that, good this ones. is yeah. where we're saying, Beck, because so, you can see your passion in that, yeah. right? And I know that if we had time to talk about it, you'd go in even more detail on it. But as me and Earth said before around the, the, the whole, once there's money and where the women's game is going... They don't care about our values and what values we built within the game and how we wanted our game to look and feel for people. They don't care about that because it's about the money now mm. and that changes everything. Mm-hmm. So when you talk about we've got better brands and, and, and thinking it suits the values of the women's game, they no longer care because when somebody can times that value and money in terms of with, with financially by 10, 20, they're going to take that for sure. Unless, You've seen it. Unless, That's the problem. Unless, unless you do have those standing up and saying this isn't what we want in our game. So I, I, I but for the money, saying, for the money, I can I guarantee you some of these players that have never seen money in pound signs like that before will take that. I you can know, promise you. you know, I can promise you because it's so it's funny. Up. It's like they won't stand up because I promise you. I just visually you know that man that's at Parliament. He's Hold got up. that placard <laughs> and he's always like get the Brexit like literally. It's I'm telling all, you, it's all about profit over people. I'm telling you, like that is that's what it is. That's all right. I want to hear. I want to hear the fans' thoughts because I hear what you're saying, but I don't think that that means that we have to believe it, buy into it and let the women's game go in that direction. So I, I hear what you're saying. I definitely do. But let, let's um, let's park that one for now and we can hear our fans' thoughts because I think it's a really interesting one and maybe we can chat about it next week. And that 
is us for Valentine's Day, Galentine's Day, whatever you guys want to call this day. I have my pink pen to celebrate. Roses are red. Violets are blue. Farrah's in the studio. She's come back at you. That's a YouTube YouTube thing. I was was just watching. I won't see him. I'm done with you too. Okay, so kicking into our extra time, we had some BBB fan questions and uh, we like two of them this week. One from Lou Plusi 546 Predictions for the Arnold Clark Cup. Farah, you're going to be there as a tournament ambassador. Mm -hmm. Give it to me. Pretty, pretty easy for me, I think. I think, look, although it's going to be a great tournament, you know, all four nations are sit within the top 20 um, rankings in the world. So in terms of ranking, I think Belgium are 20th. Uh, career, what are they? I think, is it 14 and 11 maybe with career in Italy? I'm not sure how it is. Um, and then obviously England, are, I think they're now fourth. But mm. so in terms of the rankings, uh, good opposition, different opposition. Um, and we'll certainly give... The lioness is a challenge in different ways, um, but yeah, I don't see England not winning all of the fixtures in the opening game against Korea, then the second game against Italy, and then finish up with Belgium. Although Belgium, when we played them in the past, have been um, yeah a tough opposition for They're us. Really Strangely close. tough for us. I don't know why. Yeah. Every time we played Belgium, they seem to be that strange opposition that, on paper, you'd think that you know we'd we'd comfortably win. But for me. Lionesses win it again, and obviously that will help with them then building into the World Cup. Um, what, what's your thoughts? So England is fourth, Korea's fifteenth. Um, is it seventeen and twenty? Italy is seventeen. That's and it. Belgium is twenty, but Belgium beat Italy in the uh, yeah. women's. Euros Italy were Italy were a letdown. Final. Italy were a letdown yeah, in the in the um, in the Euros. Yeah, yeah. for me. Go ahead, for, um, so. Eartha. Uh, England. Yeah, England's yeah. gonna win. I think it's in terms of building up for the tournament. It's it's a great opportunity for for game time to try new stuff and yeah just looking at the opposition I can't really see them being troubled too much um even though I think there'll be some good tests but yeah I'm going to England yeah England for the win tickets still available guys <laughs> just putting it out there oh, that's true let's Milton get Keynes some just opened up a, a, a new section, section yeah too so and that's on Thursday. So get in there. It's going to be really good. England kick off with Korea and Italy, Belgium. So that's that rematch of that women's mm. Euros. I, I think England's going to win too. I think they'll have the hardest time with Korea because uh, Colin Bell used to coach when I was in uh, Germany. He was um, the Eintracht Frankfurt coach. And he was he's a very good coach. And mm. he got Korea into the finals of the um, Asian championship last year for the first time to qualify for the world cup so i think that'll be a, probably the best game for england yeah tough tough nice enough. all right next one do man united have a chance of winning the wsl from ellie.w9564 you certainly can't write them off can you i mean they're sitting top of the league now so they're putting the pressure back on on chelsea um and they, 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 I think as we've said it previously in the pod is that they've shown a different way this season. They found a way to win when, you know, last season they probably wouldn't have won those games. Tottenham, for example, at the weekend, you know, the last 10 minutes seeing out a game. Um, they've showed a different experience uh, to their game. So some of their players, I think, have grown from last season. So I don't see why not, but my money's still on Chelsea. Yeah. I'm a United fan at heart, so... <laughs> I've got to say they've got a chance. And what I'm hoping for is for a club double. So, yes, um, I just think like we've been talking about over the sort of course of the season, how the Linuses have kind of come in and that leadership that's been demonstrated in the squad. 
um, some great individual performances as well, as well as collectively as a team. Um, there just seems to be so much development. And I think Mark brings that new kind of stability at the club and, and aspiration. I think they're they're really looking at what they can do going forward, um, not just this season, but over the next sort of, I think, like two to three seasons mm. um, as a club and, and building. So, yeah, why not? Mm. United, let's go. I also see United as the club to watch either this season or next season, but I definitely think that they will be, they will be a crown on that club's head after in the next two years, for sure. Because of, like you said, the development, Mm -hmm. the fact that they kept Russo this season and Mm. she hasn't even really performed as much, you know, she scored what, five goals in the first half of the season when Mm -hmm. she could be a top scorer in in this league. So I don't even think we've seen some of their players get into sort of second, third gear. So yeah, for sure. Thank you for your question, Ellie. So that's it for our extra time BBB fan questions. Thank you, Lou Plusi and Ellie.w for sending in your questions. And everyone else, we will be doing that every week. Um, and definitely send in your thoughts on the Visit Saudi potential partnership with the Women's World Cup this summer, as well as what you think about the Canadian women's national team. And just really, whatever you guys want us to talk about, send it in. Yeah, amazing. Shout out too. I, wa- I want to give a massive shout out to Newcastle United Women. Um, who, had, who had 4,000 fans today, uh, well, this week uh, in their 4-2 win against York City. Um, I was lucky enough to go down and see the work that they were doing last year nice. um, with their foundation and they've got some massive aspirations. And we know when we spoke to Lucy, mm. she's looking at <laughs> ending her career somewhere in Newcastle and I'm sure the rest of the Geordies, like Jordan Nobbs, etc., uh, want to go down there. So it's interesting, we're talking yeah. about Man United and are they winning the league? There might be a new United in Yay. town in the next few seasons. So mm. yeah, a massive well done to... The lasses up there the in, lasses. In, the, in the cold up, cold north. <laughs> nice. All right. Well, that wraps up our Boots, Balls and Bras podcast for Valentine's, Galentine's, whatever you want to call it, day. We've had fun. We've enjoyed our pink pens. And now we're going on our dates. And uh, yeah, we'll see you tonight. Lunch date. Got dates, myself right? a date. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you next week. See ya. Bye. Ciao. Bye, bye, bye. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.